0: You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I'm your host, Alan Peterson, and you're listening to episode number 54. In this episode, I am interviewing Kyle Mills, who is the number one New York Times bestselling author of 16 political thrillers. He recently took over writing the Mitch Rapp series for the late Vince Flynn and has also contributed books to a series created by Robert Ludlum. Kyle initially found inspiration from his father, an FBI agent, and the former director of Interpol, and still draws on his contacts in the intelligence community, including the FBI, CIA, MI6, and special forces to give his books their realism. Avid outdoor athletes, he and his wife have lived in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, for over 20 years. Uh, His latest book is Enemy of the State, which I highly recommend, and it's the third book in the Mitch Rapp series, written by Kyle Mills and it was published on September 5th and it's already uh, in the top 3 of the New York Times bestseller list for hardcover and combined print and ebook fiction and it's number 4 on the Amazon charts for the top 20 most sold and most read books of the week. I chatted with Kyle about his books, uh, his fascinating background, his writing process, and we also chatted about the first Mitch Rapp movie that just came out American Assassin starring uh, Dylan O'Brien and Michael Keaton saw that movie yesterday and it was awesome uh, so um, a lot of fun stuff that we talked about so here is my interview with uh, Kyle Mills how are you doing Kyle I'm doing good uh, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the uh, podcast I really appreciate it oh it's my pleasure I was reading your background and it's uh so fascinating Your your father was an FBI agent, and so you, you wrote on your website, you grew up as a bureau kid., uh, what was that like? and has that and has that type of background helped you uh, writing all these thrillers?
1: Oh, yeah, it was really fun uh, and definitely. I mean, it's kind of the reason I picked this genre to write in because I had so many contacts in that industry. It's all the people I grew up with. You know, I was always surrounded by FBI and some spec ops guys and m i six and CIA. so, those were all characters I had in my head and uh, you know, you'd hear the stories and stuff and all that eventually kind of makes its way into your books.
0: Also from your uh, bio, you you had mentioned that it was your wife that had given you the idea of, uh, of perhaps writing a novel back when you were in your banking days. <laughs> so was that like the first time you said you thought about it or were you like always kind of thinking about someday I'm going to write a book? How did that come about?
1: No, I, th- I think I'm probably different than most people that get into this business. I, had never considered writing a book. I'd never done any creative writing at all. Um, I worked at a bank, and I was a really fanatical rock climber, and so that's kind of the way I spent my days. But I wanted to do something creative, and honestly, my idea was to build furniture. But my wife reminded me I wasn't very handy, and that was kind of true. So she suggested oh well how about writing a novel because i i would love to read i did a lot of reading and uh you know i thought it didn't seem like that good of an idea i'd never done i'd never really studied creative writing or done any and but after a while i thought you know it's it's really just the creative exercise it's not like you know you you necessarily think you're going to get published or anything so i bought some how to write a novel books and kind of set out on it
0: and when you first set to write your first novel was that is that the one that ended up getting published? Was that Rising Phoenix?
1: Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, so yeah, I wrote that book. It was kind of the fastest book I ever wrote. Oddly, you know, I, I honestly didn't really have any strong expectation that it would get published. some people had read it and they said they liked it and and all that. But um, I decided to you know try to get it published, which is a whole other world, sort of soul-crushing world of trying to get an agent and all that, particularly for somebody like me with no background at all. I finally did get an agent, and he sold it, and it went on to be a national bestseller. So I ended up signing a two-book deal, which was a little weird because I honestly had never thought about writing a second book. It never really crossed my mind.
0: Did you leave your banking job at that time, or did you hold on for, for a little bit?
1: You know, I eventually I did because you know the, the second book's a little bit of a job. You know, the first one you don't have any pressure; you get to do whatever you want. You know, there's certainly no promotion or anything that has to be done with it. And uh, with that book becoming a national bestseller, it uh, you know there was a, there was a lot of pressure and and you know deadlines and all these things that had to be dealt with. And and it was an industry I was completely unfamiliar with, so. The stress of it, honestly, was really awful. It was one of the worst years of my life, because I, I, I knew i had written that one book, but I honestly didn't know if I could write two. You know, I'd, I'd had an idea that I was interested in, and now I had to make up an idea and, uh, you know, create a book and and, and all that. And, and with a lot of people in New York kind of pulling me this way and that way, um, it was a very different experience to do it kind of, you know, professionally than as as a fun
0: exercise. And was your second book, was it also, was it like part of that uh, Rising Phoenix series or were those standalones?
1: No, no, that was part of the, Mark Beeman was the character in that series. And uh, yeah, so that book ended up becoming a New York Times bestselling, a uh, New York Times bestseller and kind of kicked off the career because actually Tom Clancy had told me, you know, if you can do two, you can do a hundred. <laughs> but, you know, some people only have one in them and i which was not helpful honestly <laughs> to my stress level but i managed to do two so i thought Aha, i can do a hundred now
0: was the third one a little bit uh easier or was it still kind of uh stressful
1: <laughs> you know it was still hard i was still getting my legs under me kind of figuring out how to write a book i mean it it's a very weird sensation at least it was for me because i felt like an imposter you know i was not a writer i uh you know, I'd never done it before. I, and so you kind of, you know, every time you'd kind of get into a situation with, you know, other writers or publishing people or whatever, you'd think, God, someday one of these, these people are going to find out that I'm just faking it. <laughs> and eventually I got over that. I figured out how, like, you have to figure out what your process is. And that takes a little while, you know, to stop doing it like other people told you to do it and do it in a way that works for you. And. And to start feeling like that—that that you're not an imposter and that you really can do this and are doing it.
0: So I'm—I'm I'm curious now about you. You mentioned you bought a couple how-to books. Do you remember which ones those were?
1: About a bunch of them, actually. The two that sort of stuck in my mind, though, were—I uh, think it was called like Writing the Blockbuster Novel. I think that's by Zuckerberg. Oh
0: yeah, El Zuckerman, I think. Yeah, yeah. Zuckerman. Ken Follett's, Follett's uh, editor. Yes. Yeah, that's a great one.
1: And, uh, one called, uh, self editing for fiction writers, which I think the guy's name was, they had a couple of writers, but one's name was King. I think that was a really good one too, about the mechanics of good writing, of good novel writing, not less about plot, but about, you know, how to work with point of view and all these things that I had no understanding of at all. I actually read that book and I had to completely rewrite my first novel Because I hadn't even understood the concept of point of view,
0: and I read that chapter and was like,
1: "Oh no!" (laughs) You know, (laughs) so I went back and fixed it all.
0: (laughs) So that was before you even sent it out for query. You you went back and
1: (laughs) yeah, before I sent it out. Yeah, Yeah.
0: were you a fan of thrillers as a reader before that, or
1: yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. I've been reading them since I was a little kid. I started reading adult novels at a very young age, I think because my parents had them and they didn't really, we didn't have a lot of money. And I don't think they went out and bought like kids books for me specifically. So I can remember Stephen King's book, uh, the, the Salem's lot reading it in hardback when it came out. And I think I was, I would have been nine at the time. I actually looked recently because I just reread it. And then I stuck with that, you know, with the, that genre, well, not entirely that genre, but a lot of thrillers and, Horror and stuff like that, and that was kind of my primary diet. I wouldn't say I, I didn't like fantasy. I never could get behind that. Um, never really read science fiction. I just uh, um, so kind of I did read like some general literary stuff occasionally and and thrillers.
0: And what were some of your favorite authors? And did you find that later on they infl- influenced in your writing at all? Or?
1: Yeah, I think probably my favorite was Tom Clancy. I thought he he kind of invented sort of a subgenre, and I thought he was kind of the total package. I think he did virtually everything well. And, um, I loved the complex cold war thriller. He felt he fit right into that. And in fact, you know, I kind of patterned, I think, and I've said, I think Cardinal of the Kremlin's maybe the best modern thriller ever written. And I actually patterned a book, Called Sphere of Influence. I mean, it's nothing like Cardinal of the Kremlin, but it was the same idea of the sort of complex thriller. But that's what I was shooting for.
0: And do you, uh, when you write in your books, do you put in a lot of, uh, of the research beforehand, like almost like like Clancy style.
1: Yeah, I mean, I do a fair amount of research beforehand, so I kind of know what I'm talking about on those subjects. I wouldn't say that I do all the nitty gritty research though until I'm done with the book. I. I have a symbol like two question marks so if I say something I'm not sure about I put two question marks and then when the books when the draft is done I'll go back and clear all those question marks and the reason is because you know when you're writing along sometimes you change your mind so it's not really worth spending a lot of time researching something and then deciding to delete it from the book.
0: Now your writing process do you like actually do you have a Big outline before you start to write, or you just sort of just yeah. Get go- yeah? Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I I write probably the longest outlines, sort of psychotically long <laughs> outlines. Really, I mean, I'm working. I just started this week writing the new book, and so it'll be about 110 thousand words, I suspect, when it's done. And I have my outline is 40 thousand words.
0: Oh, wow. That's like a, that's like a, a small novel. <laughs> yeah, it's done.
1: Essentially, it's done. I just need to turn the outline into every chapter in the outline into uh, a you know prose. Mm-hmm. And that also allows me something that I – and again, this goes back to how do you learn your process. So one of the unusual things I learned about myself is that if I write outlines that detailed, I don't have to write the book in order. Hmm. So I can write whatever chapter I feel like, and which I find really helpful.
0: What do you use? You use like Microsoft Word or like another like a yeah?
1: Yeah, because that has a good out. Uh, Words the only thing I've ever found that has a really good outlining function. Like I looked at look, like changing to Google Docs or something, but no, nothing else has an outlining function. So um I just do the outline and the outlining function, and then right on top and then i just change it to the normal format and write on top of it basically now i still have, there's a lot of stuff in the outline that i can just use
0: so now you've uh, you've picked up the torch for for two very iconic characters uh, robert ludlum's jason bourne and of course vince flynn's mitch Rapp. uh how was that i mean was that like nerve-wracking for you to take on at first or uh or were you like all right i'm ready for the challenge <laughs> well with the
1: with the ludlum stuff i didn't actually write the born stuff eric von lustpeter does i wrote a different series called uh, covert one mm. so that was a really different that was a different challenge i mean they called me kind of out of the blue to do that and i was working on another book and i kind of initially turned it down and and i started thinking you know i've been a big fan of ludlum and i thought you know maybe it would be a fun change of pace i don't even know how many novels i'd written by then probably more than 10 to do something different. And I had a lot of free hand there because they were trying to reboot a series that had kind of gone fallow. So, and it was science oriented and I had some science oriented ideas that I had really never written under my own name. I didn't know if they'd really fit. Uh, This was a great opportunity to do that. So, uh, I wrote, basically wrote some books with their characters that I had re- been wanting to write. So a fairly easy thing to do in theory, not like taking on Robert Ludlum's style too much. That, mm. that series had been written by a number of authors over the years. I wouldn't say there was a lot of consistency to it. So, uh, then, yeah. And then, so I stopped doing that and I, I finished that project. I wrote three books for that. And, uh, started working on my own book again that I had sort of left in a in a drawer and I took on the Ludlum stuff. Then, yeah, I got a call from Vince Flynn's family to see if I would like to continue the Metrap series. You know, that was a very different challenge. That, I mean, you know, Vince had died kind of at the height of his powers and popularity, mm-hmm. and that was a very iconic character and had a very specific universe and a specific style that fans were used to and liked, Uh, that was a little more nerve-wracking because it was pretty clear that I was not going to be able to write my own novels like uh, to some extent I had with the Ludlum books. Um, And to some extent, that's what they wanted. Uh, This was very much about kind of forging Vince Flynn novels, which I I honestly thought was a super interesting challenge. I mean, I liked Vince's novels. I I thought his, his character was great. The idea of trying, he'd written three pages, the first one. So the idea of trying to write a book and put those three pages in there and see if fans could figure out which three pages they were was kind of mm. interesting to me. So I took it on.
0: When you first took that on, I mean, did you have access to Vince Flynn's, you know, like, I don't know, notes or outlines, or you just had those three pages?
1: Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. i It's kind of a life lesson in asking questions in a job <laughs> interview. I had assumed that, you know i mean actually tom clancy didn't really write outlines but you know i mean i had assumed that anybody who writes novel length fiction particularly thriller fiction was just kind of complex in the plotting like from a plot standpoint that everybody would take no or do some kind of an outline and and you know do their research and all that before they started so when i took it on i said you know okay great i'll do the i'll do it but send me go ahead and send me all you know vince's stuff for the book and they kind of said well what do you mean and i said you know call his wife lisa and there will be a box in his office of all you know outlines and research and all that and it turns out vince didn't write that way at all he just kind of sat down and started with page one and wrote the book so those three pages which really were two and a half pages uh were all that existed of that book
0: oh wow <laughs> Well, wow, that's kind of like lee child style so he just kind of sits down and starts Writing, starts typing. Yeah,
1: and it turns out more authors I, than I thought do it that way, and uh, it, it really wouldn't work for me. I can't imagine writing a book like that.
0: So is there a, a balance that you need to maintain when you're adapting to the Vince Flynn style versus your own, or is is, is it now that you are uh, got three books under your belt, is it getting a little bit different now about that, or how does that process work?
1: Yeah, I mean, the first one, The Survivor, was clearly a forgery i mean my goal was to write that book just make it absolutely seamless between the last man which is the first book he wrote or the last book he wrote then you know he had those three pages and then to continue on and no one would ever be able to tell the difference i mean i studied his word choices his, his you know sentence structure how he handled action sequences you know i went back and looked read and took notes on all the entire series so i knew exactly where the universe stood and who all the characters were. And that was a very specific challenge. Moving forward, I mean, it wasn't really sustainable. Uh, Well, I mean, maybe it would have been sustainable, but I don't think the books would have been very good because the, the world changes and the Mitch Rapp character has to continue to evolve. I mean, he'd been evolving since he was 23 years old in the series. And, you know, I couldn't just freeze him. And, you know, I couldn't freeze the the plot lines because the world has changed you know vince never even had heard of isis you know mm-hmm. passed away so with the later books it's a little bit more of a blend i i i mean they're still very much vince flynn books um i'm constantly conscious to write in his style and not my own but um i'm a little freer uh i think in adapt in evolving the character and adapting the plots to what's going on in the world today
0: and how has your relationship with, with fans of vince Flynn changed from book one to book three because i mean i know there's a, a at first probably there's a lot of there was a lot of apprehension but i think now you've been pretty much welcomed now and we're all enjoying your books uh, have you noticed the change at all from the beginning to now
1: yeah you know everybody was great i the fans were great i i have to say um i was prepared for a fair amount of, of like say apprehension on their part. Um, I did not expect to be accepted until I had proved myself. And I wouldn't necessarily say that was the case. I mean, I feel like everybody was rooting for me. They loved Vince. They loved the books and they wanted to see his legacy and the character continue. I mean, that wasn't necessarily the case when I took it on, you know, people Mm -hmm. could have looked at it in a very different way, a much more negative way. So I, you know i mean if i hadn't performed I, and i'd written a terrible book about mitch or or i'd written my own book about him um i think there probably would have been a lot of backlash but i but i think everybody appreciated the clearly even if you didn't like the survivor how much effort i put into it and mm-hmm. um so now i have again i've i think now people trust me with the character that's made I mean, again, everybody's always been wonderful to me, but it's made me feel a little bit better in uh, uh, being a little less nervous every time I write a book, every time it comes out. You know, mm-hmm. sitting there wondering if this is going to be one where people completely dump on me. So, so yeah, it's a little, it's a little less stressful.
0: And I was curious too because you were already a successful author of your own books. Did your like fans now like become? Are uh, writing Mitch Rapp, or were they was It was all commingled already in the thriller genre, or?
1: I think a lot of it was commingled because you know
0: Vince was such a huge
1: author. I think a lot of my fans, and, and certainly a lot of them, emailed and said, "Hey, oh, I've always loved Mitch Rapp. I'm interested to see what you do with them." Though I think a lot of them also recognized that my writing style was really different than Vince's. So I think some of them were a, a little surprised that I had taken it on. As opposed to somebody who wrote more in a more military kind of uh, style, like an action, military action thriller style, which is not, I don't think anybody would describe my thrillers necessarily that way.
0: Yeah, And I really enjoyed the the latest, uh, Enemy of the State, which has been out for about a week right now, September 5th it came out? Yep. Yeah, and you really touched like you mentioned earlier um, on things that weren't around when Vince Finn, Flynn was writing his books, like ISIS, and you also kind of uh, touched into like the, the whole Saudi connection in in, 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 the, in this type of world. Uh, how, how did that plot come about? And were you a little bit nervous about going there?
1: <laughs> well, I think you know, with with that plot, there are a couple of things. One, I was really you know, there there had been right when I was starting this book. It had there had been a lot of talk about the redacted pages about Saudi uh, it, involvement in 9-11 uh, and the possibility of, at that point of releasing those redacted pages. Um, and then later you had uh, the stuff on the lawsuit, the possibility of having lawsuits against the Saudi government for involvement in 9-11. And th- the idea that maybe the Saudi government was more involved in that and the Saudi royalty then, uh, then was, uh, initially reported because obviously we have a strategic interest in remaining friends with Saudi Arabia. And also it seemed to fit with in Vince's themes because, uh, he had a pretty, if you read his books, he had a pretty clear distaste for the Saudis. So. They were, I mean, to, to some extent, many of his books have some sort of Saudi antagonist. Even if they're not like the main guy, they're the financer or or in some way involved. So it seemed like a good, that plot line seemed like a good fit.
0: And now Mitch goes a little bit rogue in this book. Uh, what was your uh, train of thought uh, going down that road?
1: <laughs> well, that's that's sort of the there are a few things that are really particularly fun about these books for me as a, as sort of a fan, not necessarily as a writer, but as a fan is that one, you can, you can pull characters out of the past that you always wondered what happened to them. Cause Vince had a way of writing these cool characters and then sort of forgetting about them. And, and so they just go away and you'd always think, well, what happened to you know Greta or what happened to Donatella or whatever? And, so you can bring them back and find out what did happen to them. So that was one of the ideas behind it. But but second, it's it's putting Mitch into situations he's not comfortable in. You know, uh, he would become pretty comfortable operating in the Middle East and with his great perfect team. You know, Scott Coleman and a bunch of old Spec Ops guys. And so with this one, I wanted to bring back some characters, but I also wanted to put Mitch in a situation he'd never been in, which is I wanted to strip him of his backup. You know. All the, the CIA and, and Scott Coleman's team and stuff like that and make him deal with mercenaries and people with conflicting personalities and stuff like that and have to have him manage that, which he's never really been forced to do before.
0: I really enjoyed that that uh, in, in the book. That was really cool to see his his interactions now with all that, uh, kind of being a freelancer basically, kind of. yeah. Yeah, and it seemed Donatella and like you said, all those other characters, I really love that as well. Um, is that something that you're going to continue doing? Because now you've uh, uh, you recently signed. A, uh, you're going to be writing three more books, right, for in, in Vince Flynn's universe. Right. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. That's very exciting. To, when I read that, that you're going to continue <laughs> writing these books.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm really happy about it. It's been a lot of fun.
0: So, are you gonna? Is that something you're going to be bringing back some of these uh, older characters?
1: Yeah, I'd like to when they yeah. fit into the books. I mean, definitely there are a lot of them back there that, uh, you know, that were really fun and well-drawn characters that Vince had created. And, and it's always be able, it's fun to be able to pluck from that. And it's also fun to, because Vince wrote at such a large scale and had so many fans, you know, a lot of these fans remember these characters. So it's not like you're reintroducing them
0: and how long is usually the process from when you start to when you first start outlining till the book is ready for publish this, how long does that usually take
1: uh, I'm usually done with it in let's see uh, a little less than a year call it 10 months and then it, uh, and then it obviously there's editorial and
0: all that so probably start to finish about a year are you given a lot of freedom now when writing these the Mitch Rapp stories from like the publisher and the Flynn family or the or has, yeah, or you, you yeah.
1: Know? I mean, I always have. I, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I, I run my general ideas across by them. I, mm-hmm. When I killed off a couple of major, well, really one major character, I asked them about that. But for the most part, I'm pretty uh, autonomous.
0: On your Twitter feed, you were on uh, on a book tour for Enemy of the State. Uh, how did that go? And do you have any more planned for this year?
1: That oh, was good. You know, I, this was really chaotic, because you've got the movie coming out and the book coming out all within a couple of weeks. So you know, I went on the book tour, did the movie premiere and, and uh, all that. So uh, always a lot of fun to go out and meet the fans and sign books and talk to people about
0: the They're really people are really passionate talk about the books and uh, about the movie. Yeah, I missed you by a day. I was actually I live in California, but I went I was visiting family in Minnesota, and I left the day that you were coming in because you were at the Roosevelt Barnes and Nobles. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would I would have been there for sure had I not left. <laughs> oh, sorry you missed it. Yeah. Yeah, I just missed it by a day. So I I, I have to ask about the movie uh, because I'm excited. It's coming out today uh, from the day we're recording this on Friday, and I'm gonna go I'm gonna go watch it tonight. There's like a little bit of brouhaha in the beginning, and as usually happens with these beloved characters or books get turned into movies. About the casting of Dylan O'Brien, mm-hmm. and you've already seen the movie. So, what was your thoughts? And are you excited? Is is he do, did he do a good job? <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I think Dylan was fantastic in the movie. He,
1: you know, it's funny when it when they first told me who was going to play him. I, I didn't know who Dylan was. Uh, I ran out and bought the or, or got the, the the maze runner, which he'd been in. He's, you know exactly what I pictured. I think a lot of people, people have very uh, kind of broad ideas about what a character is and what a character looks like. I guess everybody everybody's interaction with people and with characters is pretty individual. But you know, Dylan's the exact right body type. He looks like Mitch Rapp was described. He is actually a really good actor, as it turns out. I mean, obviously, The Maze Runner was a very different role. And, uh, you know, he has that kind of anger and intensity and grittiness that Mitch had. Uh, so at that age, because you remember, this is American Assassin. So, you know, Mitch is right out of college. And I, I, you know, I think he was fantastic. I, In fact, I just told him last week that you know forevermore. if i ever wrote a book about him at that age it would definitely he would be what i was picturing because it, it, it he really did i think bring it to life and then michael keaton you know what can you say about him he's he's always great yeah. and he was terrific as stan Hurley.
0: yeah i can't go wrong with michael keaton that's for sure no <laughs> yeah, no he was great yeah. Yeah, well, i'm looking forward to uh, to to watching that uh, that movie tonight is there anything you can tell us a little bit about what uh, about the next book that you're working on uh, is it what part of the world it's going to be in or any hints?
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to go back and touch on Russia again. I did that in order to kill, but it's, Mm. it's a, it's such a big thing that's going on now with kind of the rise of Russia again onto the world stage. Uh, and the fact that they're fairly destructive influence, I think on the world. So, uh, I want to do that. I'm going to bring back a few characters again from the past and, um, and sort of continue on with Mitch, and Mitch is trying to straighten out his life, and so he can have, find a little bit of happiness. We'll see if he can do that.
0: And so right now, you're, just, you're going to be focusing on the uh, on the Mitch Rapp uh, books, uh, your, the other book you're working on, on your own that's uh, still in the drawer for now. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know that's that's been like. I can't even know how many years—seven <laughs> years—and I've got about ten pages. So uh, that one, I'm afraid, is going to sit there for a while longer.
0: Well, well um, I'm, I'm excited that that you'll be writing some more uh, uh, Mitch Rapp books. So that's that's a good thing too. So, but I also recommend. Uh, um, I started reading. Um, oh oh, oh uh, rising phoenix because i was kind of curious about your first book and i mean yeah that's that's a great thriller as well i mean i haven't finished it yet so but i just wanted to let you know that i've been enjoying that one as well
1: oh well, thanks yeah, yeah it's I funny like... that was a long time ago so you know this, i always wonder how people feel about reading stuff like that because it's like you know th- nobody has even cell phones or the internet or anything which would be seem, seem kind of weird now
0: yeah i actually kind of enjoy it i mean you know I remember the days before not having a cell phone and stuff. So,
1: <laughs> well, yeah, me too. And but it was funny transition as a thriller writer because you know you had the old, <laughs> yeah. you know, people would be cut off and they'd be trying to find a payphone and all this stuff. And now you know you never are cut off.
0: Uh, Enemy of the state is doing so well, I just is just curious. I just double checked number two on the New York Times for print and ebook. Number four, most sold on Amazon right now. So it's been uh, amazing. So uh, really cool to see that it, that is being embraced like that. The yeah. you know, reviews have been awesome.
1: Yeah, it really it is nice. I, uh, I, it, it was definitely nerve-wracking to take over, and there was absolutely no way to anticipate how it would go. And, you know, it's kind of hard to imagine how it could be going better. I mean, you've got a really good movie, in my <laughs> estimation anyway, coming out today. You've got... You know the the fans are really enjoying the new book, and it's you know at the top of the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah, the only thing I the only negative thing I think in the world going on right now with this series is uh, the movie. It is doing so well. (laughs) Oh yeah, but I don't think I think it's just impossible to be number one. I mean, I I, who would have thought a a reboot of a movie about an evil clown would (laughs) would debut like at almost two hundred million dollars.
0: Yeah, that was crazy. And they're two different, there's some different genres, but that, yeah, that it is so huge right now that yeah, it's gonna be, that's going to be, that's a tough, a tough competition for the movie for, the, for American Assassin.
1: Yeah, I mean, phew, I, I would have never guessed. I thought, oh, that's going to, you know, I mean, people ever, like me, I thought I, I saw the miniseries. It was great. I don't need to watch it again. But
0: apparently a lot of people disagree with me. Yeah, yeah. I still haven't watched. It. I haven't watched the It movie, but now after all, yeah, after all the hype, I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to, have to go check it out. But yeah. but Amer- American Assassin tonight, so maybe it ne- next week.
1: <laughs> it, yeah, but uh. I have to, I'm boycotting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: Kyle, I want to thank you uh, so much for uh, taking time to talking uh, with me about the about your writing and and Mitch Rapp and Vince Flynn has been has uh, been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, it has been. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, and then uh, for for people, uh, you're, I just want to double-check. Double your website is kylemills.com. Yep. And then your Twitter and Facebook at uh, Kyle Mills Author, and they'll be able to find you there. And I'll have links and all that, but uh, just uh, if people are listening, uh, that's how they can find you.
1: Yep, yep, they can find me there
0: thank you for listening to this episode of Meet the Thriller Author. I'd like to ask you to please review and rate this uh, podcast over on iTunes. It really helps me get the word out. If you take a few seconds of your time to uh, do that, it would be much appreciated. You can also visit my website at thrillingreads.com forward slash podcast for show notes on this episode, as well as information about the uh, podcast in general. And you can also sign up for my mailing list there. You'll be getting uh, special offers from our guests, as well as information, uh, behind the scenes information on the podcast. And uh, please do visit my author website at alanpeterson.com. I appreciate your support. And so until next episode, I will talk to you then.